Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See a Podcast, where every other Friday we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week we'll be discussing Nope and The Gray Man. I'm your host, Bill George. With me as always, AJ Rebecki and super producer Craig Stanton. What is up, boys? What's going on, Bill? Hi, everybody. How's everyone doing? Hello. In the words of John Wilson, a longtime listener of the podcast, I am what he calls schwaggled, which is another term for tired. Um, I am home in between vacation, a week of vacation next week, and two weeks of travel for work. So just running on a little bit of fumes right now, but I'll, I'll try to keep the energy up tonight, William. It's a new one in my lexicon. But... Uh. The yes. pros of traveling alone for vacation is, Bill, I loaded up the iPad and I watched a shit ton of movies <laughs> this past I week. love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, lots of things that we have discussed previously, but now you or I have now caught up and seen some. So lots of lots of follow back up on. So why don't we start there? Yeah. Uh, let's go with the first movie we both watched uh, direct to streaming as well as in theaters. Uh, based on the hit Fox animated show, uh, the Bob's Burgers movie. Bill? Yeah, so you say that we both watched it. Uh, Full disclosure, I stopped after about 40 minutes. Um, Uh. So my Bob's Burgers history is I've watched some of the show. I mean, probably a season or two worth spread out. I know all the characters. I know the you know I know the interactions between the characters, the dynamics, uh, and I find it I find it pretty funny. Like you know I'll watch, I'll get a couple chuckles out of each episode, um, but that's it. So I was watching the movie, giving it a shot. Thought maybe it's something new I could review because it is in theaters. But I got forty minutes in, and I was just kind of I didn't really see why this was a movie. And when you're only accustomed to watching about twenty two minutes of this at a time, I felt like I was over my quota, and it wasn't doing it for me. So I, I bailed. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Um, I am a Bob's Burgers fan. A few years ago, I went to a Bob's Burgers table read event at either the Orpheum or the Sinclair, one of those. So I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, it felt like a really mediocre episode of Bob's Burgers, right? I feel like they did a lot of time setting up the characters for some reason. Like, y- y- if you're watching the movie, you know the show, you know the relationships. The first act just dragged on trying to like reintroduce all of these people and their quirks we didn't need it 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 did i would say as basically probably as soon as you signed off it's when it hit its stride in the third act and it was like oh this is like this is getting to a good bob burgers episode but i mean it took an hour to get there with only 40 minutes left um another thing bob's burgers is known for their really off-the-wall crazy musical numbers this had three or four of them if, if that's your M.O., which they have kind of laid out as what they do on on the show. It became more of a thing as the show progressed. Yeah, too, progressed. Like. Yeah, towards, towards... It wasn't really that much in the early seasons. I didn't even know they did musical numbers. Probably towards like season three onwards, four onwards, they had some really good musical numbers. They did like one to spin on the Goonies. They did another one on like a Die Hard musical that Gene put on for his class. That was just insane. <laughs> that sounds that sounds good. Yeah, and they're good. They're 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 beyond good. They're great. And they did three of them in this one, and it it kind of fell flat. And the other thing I want to say before we move on. I was like, I hope they don't do what the Simpsons movie did, where they relied on like all these weird like 3D animations and 3D kind of renderings to kind of like show like, hey, we finally have production value. 
and they did it a ton in this and it's like I, I, I don't need that like put the time and effort in the writer's room and 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 fuck the the 3d animation side of that yeah i noticed that right out of the gate too because i was like this is not usual for what i've seen unless again unless they did it more in later seasons i wasn't sure but it, it felt phony from from the jump with the 3d so between the Bob's Burgers movie and the Simpsons movie, I would watch the Simpsons movie again 10 out of 10 because I think that was a really good, great long episode of the Simpsons. Um, yeah, dude, Spider-Pig. Classic. Spider-Pig, exactly. Yeah, that is that. I mean, that's the only thing I do remember <laughs> from it, but that in and of itself is, is a classic for sure. So the next film that I watched uh, was an A24 film, Lamb, um, from last year or two years ago. Yep. I'm going to be completely honest couldn't finish it yeah i was very disappointed to hear you say that because i enjoyed lamb um i forget what i rated it i don't know craig if you can pull that up uh i think you gave it a yes i'll pull it up is this the nick cage thing no No. this is the one where a husband wife farming uh duo in the middle of iceland there's basically zero dialogue in the movie you can, <laughs> yeah it's visual storytelling yeah you basically find out or you learn that they're 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 trying to have a kid they never had a kid or they maybe lost a kid and one night on christmas eve one of the lambs gets impregnated uh and gives birth to a half half lamb half human baby and they try to raise it as a child yeah it's it's a weird a24 you know, classic elevated horror, slow, slow burn movie. Um, I forget if I gave it a yes or no, to be honest with you. I know I liked it. I'll tell you what you gave it. You said no. Just like Neon Demon and A Ghost Story, I personally really enjoyed this film, but its appeal is so niche, I cannot give it a blanket recommendation to all. See instead, Pig, which is the movie I was thinking of starring Nicholas Cage. Oh, look at that. Full circle. Yeah, I, I do remember thinking to myself, this is not for everybody, so I, I am not surprised I gave it a no. But I liked it, and I know that this is typically something that you would dig on. Uh, and the thing about A24 movies, for me, especially these elevated horror ones, like the ending and how they wrap things up uh, is the movie. Like That's what makes the movie. Like All I remember from Lamb at this point uh, is like the last or second to last, like towards the end, like one of the shots from the end so the fact that you haven't finished it is uh supremely disappointing to be honest i hope eventually you get back around to it because i think you might enjoy the end um but yeah that's i i guess i can see why you would ease off it because it's a slower burn than even usual but i i still liked it so the third movie on my plane watching list was uh the pta movie licorice pizza from last year uh watch the whole thing what a weird fucking movie that is. <laughs> it's a weird one. I mean, there's lots of small vignettes within the movie. Some work better than others. But overall, I liked it. I think I reviewed it on this show. Talked about talked about it. I enjoyed it. Uh, what was your takeaway? I know you're a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan. I like PTA. Um, big fan. I had reservations from Alana, Alana Hyam uh, from the band Hyam being the lead the lead actress in the movie in her first time acting. She was fucking phenomenal, dude. She was Yeah, she stole the show. Amazing. So I am Best part. really excited to see what you know she comes up with next and what does next. Uh Cooper Hoffman, son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, was a, was an amazing co-lead with her. It was just yeah, like you said it was this weird kind of 
vignettes stay in the life of a weird semi-platonic relationship of two people in the valley in california in the 70s um cooper hoffman's character was written very oddly like he was written as like a 40 year old businessman but in the body of a 15 year old boy and somehow he pulled it off in some weird way um it was good. I think people should watch it for a good like summer romance date night flick. But in the same world as all the other Paul Thomas Anderson movies, it's it's an odd one. Like you, you got to just kind of know that going into it where it's it's weird. It's a weird movie. Yeah. Did you uh, before we move on? Just a quick question. Did you bump on the age difference? Because I know that is the biggest hang up for a lot of folks that watch the movie is the two characters that are ostensibly friends, lovers, whatever relationship, depending on the part of the movie. Uh, it's a pretty big age gap there. And I have heard some some pushback from people thinking that it made it's uncomfortable. No. It, it, it was so well written and talked about and established in the movie over and over and over again, where like I was... I, I was okay with it. Yeah, I thought I thought they did a good job with it, but I know that that was some of the buzz, so I was curious if you fell into that camp or not. Now, the flip side of that age difference romance, I watched another film, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Apple TV original. Um, I would give that a no. It was probably one of the worst movies I've seen in a very long time. AV wow. Club gave it an A-. Yeah. It, it's in the same realm of kind of licorice pizza. It's two people, summer romance movie, um, she's in her thirties. He's in his mid twenties. It was written and directed and, and starred and acted by this guy, Cooper Rafe, Cooper Ref. This is his first feature film. It won like a, a big award in Sundance, like, uh, uh, audience pick or whatever. I must be on a different fucking planet because it is one of the worst written movies and acted movies I've seen in a very long time. I, yeah, I, uh, I have not seen it, but when you mentioned that it was bad, I was curious. Uh, so I looked up the AV Club because they're the only site I trust besides my own. And they gave it an A minus. And they rarely give... Like, there are no notoriously difficult raters. Uh, so they give a handful of A's, A minuses a year. So to be an A minus, uh, they must have really, really dug it. I didn't read the full review. I'd, I'd rather wait till I see it and then read the full review. But uh, it's interesting that you're so off from them. The couple things, the way this guy Cooper talks and acts, he over enunciates and pronounces every single syllable. And that just kind of threw me off because real people don't talk like that. And second, it was like written by a person who loved like rom-coms and he tried to write a rom-com the way a rom-com should be. And it was focused more on, I guess, the themes and the relationships rather than the real dynamics that people have. And it seemed the way I interpret it, it's like a big ego trip for this guy rather than like a, uh, uh, rather than really taking several passes at the script and maybe bringing in a different actor who could help maybe carry this along. Premise is good. He's like a party starter at bar mitzvahs. He's right out of college. He's kind of a, a shithead and he falls in love with this girl, a uh, woman who he meets at a bar mitzvah premise on paper sounds great it just it just didn't it didn't strike a chord with me bill uh i've watched a couple things recently as well revisited a couple things don't need to go super in depth but things that i think not all of our audience may have seen before and might be worth bringing up one was i revisited up in the air the george clooney film 
Uh, I've watched, I usually watch it every couple of years. I try to give a good amount of space between viewings so that it retains its, its power. And I get asked the question all the time, what's your favorite movie? I get that as the number one question as soon as people find out that I am an amateur film critic is what's your favorite movie? And usually I answer, it depends. I don't really have one. You know, the collected works of Christopher Nolan, who's easily my favorite director, etc. But honest to God, a gun to my head, if I had to pick a favorite movie, I think it's going to be up in the air. Like it's always been top three, top five, but like now rewatching it again and bringing even newer experiences to it, that might be it. It might be it. Every single scene and character in that movie is damn near fucking perfect. <laughs> Everything in that movie works. Like it's the only movie, even I know, like I said, collectively, Nolan's my favorite director, and all his movies combined, like I love. But even Nolan, I, there's things that I would nitpick about any of his movies. Up in the Air is the only movie I've ever seen where it's like A plus, no notes. Like I, I can't. It's untouchable. Every decision made, the every line in the script. Every actor, everything about it. I just, if you haven't seen Up in the Air, legitimately, I think it's my favorite movie of all time. Uh, and the director of Up in the Air, uh, Jason Reitman, I mean, he's everything that he's done or touched has just been truly incredible, right? If you look at his entire discography or directorography, I don't know what the word for it, but filmography. 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 There we go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Discography. Uh, it's gold. Uh, I have one oldie but goodie I watched. So we're going to talk about the bear later in the podcast. But uh, there's a scene in it where they talk about Black Hawk Down and the setup in the war in Somalia. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to watch Black Hawk Down again. There you go. My God, does that movie still fucking slay? (laughs) Does it still work? There's one part that sticks out. If you haven't seen Black Hawk Down. Get out from under the rock and watch it. But the gunner on the 50 cal gets just obliterated. And uh someone's like, Who's gonna take who's gonna take the 50 cal? And Eric Ban is like, it's mine. And then proceeds <laughs> to go on like a Call of Duty like 30 kill rampage. And there's gratuitous blood and violence in it, but for some reason sure. that scene just clicks in and they just show people just getting like split in half and stuff. Um, but yeah, he's Oh, he's so good. Yeah, Banna's Banna's the, the badass in that movie, especially in like the final scene too. Yes. Yeah. So uh I watched Black Hawk Down. Still is amazing. Let's go to the news, AJ. What is in the news? Well, Bill, you probably you 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 probably know, but San Diego Comic Con happened recently and a lot of announcements came out of the Marvel camp. Uh, they listed their slate of TV and film for the next few years and announced a two-part Avengers movie that will finish what they're referring to as the multiverse saga that has encompassed Phase 4 and soon-to-be Phase 5 of their cinematic universe. DC only showed more footage of Black Adam and Shazam 2. Bill, you're our resident MCU expert. What stood out? Uh, what stood out to me the most is this idea of the quote-unquote multiverse saga because we had what was so clearly the Infinity Stone saga or the Infinity Saga, depending on how you want to call it. And that was very clear and laid out and went through the the first you know three phases of Marvel and it ended. Then we went into phase four and we haven't had a name for it. Most of this stuff has not been connected in any way, shape, or form yet. 
Uh, I know it's been frustrating to fans, myself included, when we're so accustomed to the stories being brought together and them just not doing that yet. So to now now know that this is part of something that is, has its own name, the Multiverse Saga, and to know that there is a one or two things left in Phase 4 and then Phase 5 will tell the rest of the story, uh, it just, I think it is helpful to fans. I think it's it makes it more interesting and exciting to me now to see a little bit ahead of what's going to happen versus this entire last year and a half has just been kind of watching new Marvel properties and they're entertaining enough. Uh, most of them I've given yeses. Some of the shows I've liked a lot, but it's still kind of left me feeling a little empty. So now knowing where it's going to go overall is exciting. So to kind of just to, to recap some of it, Movie-wise, we'll focus on the movies for right now. Uh, there's only one movie left for Phase 4, which is the new Black Panther, which they also did a teaser for, which I did not watch, but I heard it's good. Uh, then we get into Phase 5, which has Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is supposed to be the reintroduction of Kang the Conqueror as our big bad, who was first introduced in the Loki show. Uh, Guardians Volume 3, great. The Marvels, uh, which we'll bring together... Uh, Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel from the show I have not watched yet, um, and then the other Captain Marvel, whose name I forget. So that'll be an interesting one. Blade, which we uh, have had a, a post-credits stinger tease, but we don't really know anything about Blade. There's another untitled Marvel movie thrown in there, because a lot of these dates that Marvel announced, even if they don't know which movie is going where exactly, they like to announce all the dates to basically put all the other studios on blast and warning, like, hey, whatever you're about to release this weekend, don't bother. Um, we have Captain America New World Order, which will be uh, uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America. Uh, so that'll be interesting. We saw the Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America show, Falcon and Winter Soldier show, where he took over the mantle. And so that will get its own movie. And then Thunderbolts, which I don't know what that is. I think what it's a is team up. I, th- I think it's a villain team up, if, I, if, if I've heard correctly. Okay. Then we move into phase six, uh, which is where it's going to wrap up. We have Fantastic Four, the long-awaited redo of Fantastic Four, another untitled Marvel project. Then we get Avengers The Kang Dynasty, which they announced will be the same director as Shang-Chi, another untitled movie, and then Avengers Secret Wars, and that will close out phase six and close out the multiverse saga, and then four more untitled movies coming in 2026. A couple things stood out to me. Uh... One is the Avengers movies, King Dynasty and Secret Wars are only six months apart rather than nine, 12 or 18. So they are very surprised. Not only are they getting the summer blockbuster season, just printing money, uh, but right before the holidays, they're going to have the final Avengers movie, which I think is a huge play for them. I think it's I think that's interesting because. An Avengers movie usually will do so well for so long because people like to go repeat viewings. Like they, like the first one might still be in theaters by the time they release the second one. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to do these full day experiences. Yeah, back to back screenings, things yeah. like that. So that stood out to me. Uh, another thing that stood out to me is they brought back uh, Daredevil, which is a yeah that was on the TV front. Yep. Yeah, on the TV front I'm a huge fan of the the Daredevil show that was on Netflix got canceled. Obviously when all IPs went back into Disney Plus, they said we're going to figure out what to do with Daredevil. Obviously he uh Daredevil showed up for a brief cameo 
uh, in the latest Spider-Man movie, and everyone was freaking out about it. Um, so to, to kind of bring back Daredevil with the same characters in the same world, or now into this world, I think is massive. I'm super excited for uh, season two of Loki, because as we've talked about many times before, kind of kicked off Kang in the multiverse, and hopefully it can erase, modify all the things, messy things that came up in stage four around the multiverse. And then one more thing on the TV, on the movie front, uh, Blade reboot with uh, Marshall Ali is going to be insane. Yeah. I mean, with that casting, that's going to deliver no matter what. I mean, you know that they're that's going to crush uh yeah the tvs so we only i mean the all the things i listed were just movies let alone tv shows you mentioned daredevil uh the agatha harkness show uh, is a thing that's happening and they renamed it since the last time they announced it it used to be called heart of, heart of darkness or something like that now it's just agatha now it's called coven of chaos uh loki season two you mentioned echoes getting a, her own show that's a character that was introduced in the hawkeye show if i remember correctly. the dolphin echo the dolphin no Great, great poll though. A little psychogenesis <laughs> reference. Uh, Wait, who's Echo? Oh, is Echo. she the 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 the, the, the deaf, deaf woman? Yeah, the deaf um, bad uh, bad guy in in Hawkeye. Interesting. And Secret Invasion will be a show that will presumably lay a lot of groundwork for Secret Wars. I think. What's that? Um, I think Secret Invasion. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not as big on Marvel Comics as I am DC Comics. So Marvel mostly for me is movie TV, so I can't speak definitively. But I believe Secret Invasion is going to have to do with the follow-up from the Captain Marvel show and Nick Fury with the the, the skulls, the scrolls, and the key. I don't know. Remember the, like, the, two bag, the two groups of people that have basically the same name, but they're opposite, and they, are, they change shape. They're shape-shifting. No, I don't care. Remember, um, th- anyway, the Captain Marvel movie? You don't remember that movie? Yeah, the uh, the Gorgs and the Klingons. Yeah, exactly that. That oh, I believe okay. that Secret Invasion because it's like because they can shapeshift. Anybody could be one anybody. of them. Anybody could be a scroll. Uh, so I think that's why it's called Secret Invasion. Okay, I'm not sure. I haven't. I I don't know. I'm not a, a scientist. Lot, a lot coming out of uh, Marvel f- over the next what. 30 years, 20 years? <laughs> Basically. So, but, I mean, the next thing to get amped up for is the end of Phase 4, which includes Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So that's the next one that we'll be talking about on this show at some point. Love it. Uh, let's talk about uh, new movies, new releases. Should I go see it? Let's do it. This week, we'll be talking about Nope and The Gray Man. So we'll start with Jordan Peele's Nope, according to imdb.com. The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Bill, should I go see it? I gave Nope a yes. <laughs> hey, this is going to be wicked confusing. Okay. Is it just because you love lonely gulches? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Uh, it's a yes, but I will uh, say there's a lot of caveats in the sense that right out of the gate, I will tell you that it does not live up to us. Uh, and it's not even close to Get Out. So this is Jordan Jordan Peele's third feature. Get Out, I feel like, will probably be his masterpiece. Um, Us was very good. This is just regular good. Um, it's an interesting flick. You know, it's got some really, really arresting scenes. There's some really cool stuff in it. Um, but it bites off more than it can chew from a story perspective. And it doesn't really cohere as well as it could. And there's a few threads that don't really work. Uh, and the issue with that is that the movie's about two hours and ten minutes, 
when it easily could have been streamlined to an hour 50, like easily. And that's preferable for this type of supernatural thriller genre. It just needed to be tighter overall. I've I've seen, I've heard a couple things online, but I want to ask you, is it a Western? Is it a sci-fi? Is it horror? Is it all three rolled into one? Like, what are we looking at? Uh, it's Western in the sense that there are Western elements in, i.e. they're on a ranch and they, there are horses, but it's not really a Western in any traditional sense of the genre. So I would say it is a supernatural thriller. Uh, horror is a little bit of a stretch. Um, and early on, it has a very Jaws-like feel where it's like less is more and the, the supernatural element, if you will, is like obfuscated quite a bit. And I love that. I love the first half. I thought it was really, really interesting. Set up some interesting things. The way they handled uh, the less is more sort of elements of it, I thought was great. Versus when you get into the second half, it becomes like every third act, it gets a little like over the top and crazy. And it lost me a little bit. So yeah, there there are some scenes, especially early on, that are like vintage early Shyamalan or even early Spielberg. Like they're just incredible. But then there's some scenes towards the end that are more like mid-career Shyamalan that don't really work. Um, so it's definitely a mixed bag. But as I think I've said on the show before, what usually leads me to give something a yes is either it shows me something new that I've never seen before or if it's something I have seen before, it executes it really, really well. And this movie is more the former, where there are a couple things in here, a couple scenes that are set up, a couple action sequences that like, I've never really seen anything quite like it. And Jordan Peele does a great job with it. That being said, the execution is so, so overall. Okay. It's funny you bring up Shyamalan because one of the things I've seen online is that a lot of people are basically calling it a, a ripoff or a V2 of Signs, which is one of my favorite Shyamalan movies. Uh, what, what, what's your thought on that? I could see that in a sense. Um, the difference is I think Signs is, is more tightly written. I think Signs, both of these movies, both this and Signs, are very thematic and they rely heavily on themes and symbolism. But I feel like Shyamalan uh, is more streamlined in how he does it and it's very straightforward versus this movie, Peel definitely bites off more than he can chew, I think. There's heavy themes throughout. And I think it costs him a little bit when it doesn't all connect. I feel like there's a lot of people that will walk out of this movie a little confused. They'll think about certain scenes and be like, where did that go? Why was that there? Did this matter? And maybe upon further review, maybe like us, maybe on multiple viewings, it'll be better. But on my first viewing, it didn't all quite work for me. Um, but again, there are sequences that are absolutely great. Um, and so overall, I think it's worth a watch for the spectacle and for the pop cultural significance of, of a Jordan Peele movie at this point. Um, but it's it's not going to be up to the standard of his other of his other work. So it seems like this is a wait to be on HBO or streaming service rather than rush to the theaters and watch immediately. I don't know about rush to the theaters. I do. I prefer the theater experience for a movie like this. There is that collective gasps and and kind of going along with the the thriller elements of it that I think make it fun to be in a in a full house for this. Um, so I gave it a yes for that reason. I think it is worth seeing in a theater. Um, but if you're already on the fence or nothing really jumped out of you about the trailer, then sure you you can wait on it. It's not a it's not a must see cool. regardless. Uh, let's go to the Netflix original movie, The Gray Man. 
So according to imdb.com, when the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Bill, should I go see it? No. Nope. Hmm. And it's interesting, you said Netflix original, which this is, uh, it was in theaters, select theaters as well. Okay. Uh, And it is the most expensive Netflix original ever, uh, with a budget of $200 million. Whoa! Uh, uh, And yet, uh, not that good. Not that good. Um, Okay. This, go ahead. A couple, couple things. Directed by your boys, the Russo brothers. Correct. Let's start with directing. Yep. How was it? Not great. Which was surprising because I <laughs> okay really <laughs> what a question uh, I I like the Russo brothers they have done all of my favorite Marvel movies uh, Winter Soldier Captain America two Winter Soldier being what I still feel to be the best Marvel movie in the MCU I will die on that hill uh, they did that they did Civil War which I also love and then of course they did Infinity War and Endgame uh, and all those movies I think are outstanding so when they come over to do this. Uh, and they reteam with Chris Evans, and it's an espionage action thriller. I was very, very excited. Um, but they do some weird stuff uh, that they didn't do in those other movies, such as the fights, choreography, and editing is kind of cut all to shit, which is weird because they were so good at that, especially in Winter Soldier. It's like really cohesive visual storytelling for action. They seem to have just like forgot the nuts and bolts of it. They add in a lot of CG, over-reliance on CG, which again is not like them when you look at something like Winter Soldier. Uh, there's like a plane scene and a train scene that just feel phony. Um, they also add a lot of CG like smoke and stuff, which uh, I don't know. Like I, I noticed I noticed it. And then uh, they also have a drone that they decided they wanted to show off. So basically anytime they begin an action sequence or go to a new location, there's this like super fast flying drone POV everywhere they went. Uh, just really stupid stuff like that. And not only that, uh, I, I, this is one trend that I am so over. And I would, I would hope the Russo brothers would have graduated past it, but they didn't. Uh, and I guess I have James Gunn to blame for this slightly. But how many more movies do we need to have a hyper-violent action scene set to a like 70s pop song to like create some sort of a quirky tone or whatever they're trying to achieve? Like it's just so done. And so there's just a lot of eye-rolling things that happen in this movie that I would not have expected from the Russo brothers. Now, I thought to myself, well, that's probably because they didn't have Marcus and McFeely, the writers of Endgame who clearly wrote incredible scripts for Marvel to, for them to direct. And then they get to the end credits and I realized this was written by Marcus and McFeely. <laughs> so I was incredibly disappointed in everybody involved. Uh, it just, it didn't, it didn't work. The movie's all over the place. The story is, could have been streamlined. There's characters in it you didn't need. Uh, there's plot threads in it that are underdeveloped. Um, it just, it just, it's just, it's all over the map. And, and there are so many better, like quasi funny spy movies that you could watch. That's all I can think about. Impossible three and onwards. Any of the mission impossibles would be great. Um, man from uncle, man from uncle is my number one pick instead. Uh, the protege, which was great. 
the newer Bond movies. It doesn't matter. Like there's so many movies in this uh, realm that just do it better. Um, so I just I could bring myself to give it a yes. And again, going back to my my filter for yeses, a lot of the time is did, does it show me something new or does it execute really well? And this uh, did definitely didn't do me show me anything new. Uh, and the execution wasn't there either, so it ends up being a no. Can I watch it for Ana de Armas? Is it worth it? She's wasted, man. She's only in like, I don't know, 20 minutes of the whole Whoa. movie. Like, she's just not used. She's not deployed well. Yeah. And the Gosling and Evans are actually quite good. And the scenes that they have together are really interesting. Um, but there's only like two or three of them. And Evans is cast against type, um, kind of like he was in Knives Out, where he plays like a psycho asshole, as opposed to, you know, we're so accustomed to seeing him as Captain America. So I think he keeps taking on these other types of roles. Um, and he's like over the top and goofy and funny, and that's fine. But they don't always strike that tone for the other parts of the movie. So like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just all over the map. Apparently. I don't even have, I, I don't know if there's much to talk about. No. Besides there that. There isn't. Just watch The Man from Uncle if you haven't. Next segment, uh, Netflix and Bill. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, what we've been watching on TV. Yeah, well, since Craig brought it up in the last episode, I, I was able to watch The Bear uh, season one on Hulu. You're welcome. Holy fucking shit. What a program. What, what a program indeed. A program. <laughs> I don't even know where to start and begin. I don't want to give too much away. But we were all floored. Floored, yeah, easily. It's it's already been renewed for season two. I've already got everybody I know trying trying to get them to watch it. And most, I've been successful, and they've also loved it. Love it. Heard. <laughs> Heard, Chef. Heard, Chef. Thank you, Chef. It's it's uh, one of the best shows uh, I've seen in a long time. Oh. Uh, and one of the best shows on currently, easily. It's a must-watch. It's not optional. It's a must-watch. Like Craig said last episode, every single character for a season one show, every single character is so well-written and defined, and they know exactly who they are and their place in this world, is really hard to come by nowadays. And and the exposition that happens is in normal, I'm going to say air quote normal, conversation that you could anticipate or imagine any person in real life having with another person like incredible so that's one thing episode seven 19 minutes and some change no commercials Mm -hmm. i will fight anyone in their entire family who disagrees with me that might be one of the best episodes of television in the last 25 years yeah it's 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 a first ballot hall of famer like no doubt it's an all-timer for sure. For sure. Now, AJ, you and I talked about this offline. I'm curious with Craig here, uh, your thoughts. Yeah, sure. You had said that this show as a yeah. season is so perfect. Uh, would you leave it that way? It has been renewed for a season two. The end of the the end of the season clearly sets up the potential plot for season two. So they're gonna keep going. But yeah. Do you think you they should? You had said maybe not. The whole lightning in a bottle paradox, right? We know how good season one is. I feel like the end of season one was a little bit, not a not a cop out, but the whole season doesn't make you feel good, right? And then there's that like shining light at the end of, of season one that I get. It, it helps set up and set the stage for, they didn't, I, I truly believe they did not anticipate this happening 
and the fact that they would they would green light season two so easily. So I get where that's happening. But we talked about a Stranger Things, lightning in a bottle, is that I am afraid, deathly afraid of what happens in season two. Um and them not being able to rise to the occasion and match what magic happened in season one. Or do they, I'm more afraid that it's okay, but it plays a lot of the same hits. Like I'm afraid they're going to hit a lot of the same notes. Like it's really going to depend on how much they can branch out. But then that also creates the fear of, does it branch out so much that it loses its identity? So we'll see. But like, it is so clearly of the vision of a person, a writer, director, like everything executing towards that one vision that, that he said, I forget his name. Um, but there's one person really behind the show uh, in terms of the, the vision for it. And I think if that person is allowed to keep running with their vision and if they have enough of more vision for it, then I think it'll be good. But if, if this was all they planned for and now all of a sudden they got to catch up, then it could get ugly. So we'll see. But I, but I am looking forward to the, the attempt. And like, if Jeremy Jeremy Allen White doesn't win any Emmys for his character of Carmi, there is something severely broken in the world. And dude, the one shot, the one shot episode, second to last episode, is like so wild that it almost, at least to me, like even when I was relaying it on the last episode, like almost overshadows the freaking monologue he gives yeah. in the last episode. Where right, it's like, right. I mean, that pretty much, I rewatched it pretty much that whole thing is a one shot. Like definitely the last like two thirds of it, they are just like, boom. Camera locked. Right yep. in his face. And it's like, holy yep. shit. Yeah. If he does get nominated for an Emmy, like that's, that's the, that's, that's the clip. It. Like that's the Emmy but clip. That's the episode. Every, that's the episode they submit for it. Everything in that, right? Like. Oliver Platt, who is like the the guy from Chicago, apparently he's in like Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, uh, playing the uncle is Cicero, yeah, fucking phenomenal, right? Uh, uh, the woman who plays Tina, um, yeah, great, great arc, great incredible. arc, Tina. John Barenthal, John Barenthal has maybe what four minutes of screen oh, less. time, less. Oh, Barenthal, and he just fucking crushes it like the, the, <laughs> yeah takes over this he's magnetic takes over the screen i am so excited for all of these people and i'm excited to see what happens but again like we talked about i am nervous of what happens and that they can't they, they, they that they can't keep the perf- the perfection that they they created for season one we will see and we will see can I ask you guys a quick question about it? Sure. Yes, Chef. Um, so, like, we're all... Thank you, Chef. We're all varying levels of, like, service industry professionals or former service industry people or sure. at least service industry adjacent. Like, I don't know what your guys' history is ever working in restaurants. Yeah, I worked in a restaurant. I worked at a uh, restaurant for my in my duration during college. I worked I, at Bonefish right. Grill. My, oh, and Bonefish when you Grill. see the Expo window tickets coming in yeah, and you're like... Oh my! Like you said last thing, Craig. Like there's there's feelings that you can never kick. And oh my god! Like seven, I looked at Hannah afterwards, and I was like, I am f- I'm ra- I am absolutely fucking rattled right, right. now. My uh, my first job was busting tables. Uh, so yeah, yeah. But even like even like you know uh, our the the retail environment like there are some parallels too. Like sure. but like like just there's that one scene with Carmi and Sydney where like. 
oh, we're gonna get fucked today. Like today is fucked. Like, <laughs> yeah, yep. like, you just know it. You just know yet. the doors aren't even yeah. open yet. And you're like, yeah. oh, we're we're getting fucked today. Like, no, this is gonna be a disaster. <laughs> like that feeling of like acceptance <laughs> of the oh god. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's four callouts. Like pres- like you're gonna like you look at that schedule and you just you just know you just know uh, it's over. It's so real. Or like in the restaurant industry, Craig, like you walk in on like a Wednesday night and you're like, what the fuck is happening right now? And they're like, I need to put your fucking coat on and like <laughs> get your notepad and make sure you get your pens and you're fucking like you're on. And you're like, uh, yep, yep. Crazy. Fuck. So good. Crazy. So real. Uh, Bill, anything that you've been watching? Uh, not watching, but one thing I watched, um, <clears throat> that I sh- think should go in the Netflix and Bill section because it's an Amazon, uh, documentary on Amazon prime is called Chris Claremont's X-Men. It's like an, ah. like an hour and 10 minute doc about Chris Claremont, and his run on the X-Men as a, as a comic writer and a little bit about his history in Marvel in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, it's really like homemade. Like it's, it's, it's a low budget documentary with some weird narration every once in a while um it's okay it's all right it's i would have preferred it more about marvel and more about or more about x-men in general versus being about one person obviously his run on x-men was incredibly influential he wrote um the dark phoenix saga he wrote days of future past um he i mean he wrote x-men for 15 years and made it the biggest comic within Marvel's universe after they used to be bit players compared to Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, these other things. And they rose to prominence under Chris Claremont. Uh, so some really interesting backstory there. And then the movies, a lot of them borrow from his run on it. Uh, they borrow directly from his characters that he created for it or modified for it. He, I didn't realize he was the one who came up with Magneto's Holocaust backstory. He added that and like developed that Magneto character. Um, so it's really interesting stuff in there. Again, it's only an hour and ten minutes, so it's like an easy watch. Um, but yeah, I watched that today. I thought it was I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, kind of like having in the background type of thing, not the not the be all end all, but it was interesting. He's a juggernaut, man. He got to work with I mean amazing artists, pencilers over his seventeen year run at Marvel, and like you said, Bill, a lot of the things that we pop popular culture knows as Marvel day-to-day life was created by this man like it's insane it's interesting they made one comparison i thought that was really apt which was you know a lot of these characters were invented by other people including stanley um and they compare chris claremont to babe ruth in the sense that chris claremont didn't create the x-men but he made them his own and babe ruth didn't create the yankees but he made them his own and he's associated with it and sort of changed the course yeah um so that was really apt description so if you're into like the super nerdy comic history of some of these characters um and if you read some of those books growing up like i did uh, might be worth might be worth a watch i mean it it it's it's it means something that like so x-men was created by stan lee and and jack kirby i believe and you know they had the original run where it first came out and, and they they classify publicly that stage afterwards at 17 year run as a Claremont era of X-Men like that man had anything you know about X-Men or how you feel about X-Men was was from his hands and his brain so uh, I might have to definitely check that out I didn't know about it until today so uh, thank you for that Bill yeah you got it Uh, what's coming up next soon ish yeah so I bought I went on a um, 
a movie ticket purchase spree. Every once in a while, I load up my AMC app and just start looking at the coming soon tab and just start buying tickets uh, to future yeah. stuff. Do you light uh, a cigarette afterwards <laughs> when, when you're done? Yeah, basically. I'm gonna, I mean, I use that A-list subscription to the maximum, which like any subscription model, I'm sure they assume people will sign up and then forget to use it and they'll, they'll end up making money on the person. Not that guy. Not me. <laughs> I'm the one that is gaming the system. Uh, so anyway, so I was uh, firing up the A-list uh, subscription and going to the AMC app, and I looked through the, my next couple weeks of schedules and what movies were coming out, and I bought a ticket to see Bullet Train. Okay. I uh, knew that'll be a Brad Pitt action movie um, that I'm excited for. I bought a ticket to see Vengeance, which is BJ Novak, uh, his directorial debut. Uh, he might have written it as well. I'm not positive. I don't really know anything about it. It popped up. It looked interesting, so I bought a ticket. And then I also bought a ticket to Bodies, 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 which I think I saw the beginning of a trailer for horror comedy. Don't really know anything about it either, but it was coming out and I could see it. So I figured I'd see it. So I got a few tickets now uh, on the docket. Can you see the Minions movie that's taking the internet by storm? No plans to because I've never seen a single Minions property of any kind, including Despicable Me. Never seen any of them. Oh, you haven't seen the first one? Nope. Never got around to it. Should I? Go see it. <laughs> I mean, it's like a stupid animated movie. I mean, the first one I thought was pretty good. Uh, I don't know. It's never They never looked that appealing to me, to be honest. Okay. And I always thought the minions were kind of dumb. Also, all these all these youngsters and whippersnappers that are dressing up in suits to go to the movies, uh, I got there first. Let me just put that out there. Just want to make sure that's clear. Oh, Wait, God. what? <laughs> well, there's this whole thing with this minions movie uh, where... They're dressing up in suits no, to go that, see the but movie. Where, when did you wear a? F- yeah, but when did you wear a? Suit Let me take you way back, uh, AJ. Way back to the incredible year of 2006, arguably the best year of my life. Uh, People are saying it. When Casino Royale came out uh, that year, uh, I was in college, and me and my friends decided to dress up to go see Casino Royale at midnight for the release. And so I wore a suit and bow tie. And then there's the scene in the movie where uh, Daniel Craig like checks himself out in the mirror with the suit and bow tie. looks exactly like what I was wearing. Uh, and the music comes on. Oh, it's fucking... It's the highlight of my life. I bet you you looked exactly like him. Probably exactly like him. Yeah. Definitely yeah, like him. exactly like him. Uh, so, and like the the girls that were with us dressed up kind of like Bond girls. Like they wore like nice dresses and stuff. It was, uh, it was a blast. Uh, and it was funny because normally... When you dress up for a movie, it's usually fucking Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, and everyone knows what you're dressing up for. When we went to see Casino Royale, the guy at the counter was like, did you just come from prom? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we're seeing James Bond. Thank you very much. But anyway, I wore, I have funny. photographic evidence of me wearing a suit to the movies well before these uh, minion people, gentle gentlemen or gentle minions or whatever the, the hashtag is. It's a little BG history lesson for you. That's all we have for you tonight. Uh, thank you for listening to the Should I Go See It podcast. Make sure to follow on Instagram at Should I Go See It. 